I pretty much had everything you can imagine in life. Million dollar businesses, world tours, number one albums. We even won a Grammy. I left it all. When I was eight, I had this dream. But as you get older, society tells you what's realistic. You see, I wanted to be an athlete, but I was a chubby kid. It didn't matter to society what I was passionate about. It only mattered what I could realistically accomplish. I had everything anyone could ever dream of. But the bigger my business got, the more I buried my dream. And one day, I cracked. I became over 300 pounds. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Despite everything going wrong, the most amazing people walked into my life at the right time. But in the end, I had to figure it out by myself. When you're broken, all you have left is your truth. I left my company, my friends, my city. I reinvented my entire life. I had to go back to that eight-year-old dream of mine. I will be an athlete. My story isn't over yet. This is the Freestyle Way. My friends was the voice of Charlie Jabali, also known as Charlie Rocket, and who happens to be my guest on today's episode of the Freestyle Way. Charlie, as you could hear, is someone who came from the music industry, gained a ton of weight, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and decided to leave his music business behind and become an athlete. And in becoming an athlete, he lost 125 pounds. He reversed this brain tumor that he was diagnosed with. And ever since he's completed three marathons. He's also uh, completed an Ironman, which he did in New Zealand, and now is on a mission to change lives all around the world. And I got to sit down with him, and we had a great conversation in his home uh, in Manhattan Beach. And it's someone who I met. uh, How did this happen? This is an interesting story. Actually, six months ago or so, I started going down the rabbit hole of researching and becoming a student of managers within the music industry, people who were managing artists. And I found Charlie and I started following him and listening to uh, his stuff. And uh, eventually he started a podcast called The Charlie Rocket Show. And in addition to that, he was featured on another podcast called Short Story Long with uh, Drama, someone who I had seen on MTV back in the day on the Robin Big Show and later on a Fantasy Factory show. And I just found 
Charlie to be a fascinating guy. And I, I just kept following him. And eventually, a friend of mine, Wesley Knight, who I met through his podcast, Creating Space, uh, started hanging out with Charlie. They started working together. And one day, uh, Wesley and I were, were exchanging some messages as I was at the airport. And uh, a few minutes later, uh, we started talking about work. And we started talking about the work that he was doing with Charlie. And if I could be of any assistance in any way. So I gave some recommendations, some suggestions. And a few minutes later, I got a follow from Charlie on Instagram. And I had already messaged him uh, maybe a month or two before that to ask him if he wanted to be a guest on my podcast, which he hadn't responded to at the time. But after he followed me, uh, we started talking a little bit and he said, I would love to be on your podcast anytime. Let me know. And uh, I messaged him back and I said, well, I happen to be on my way to L.A. right now. And I was scheduled to interview someone, but unfortunately, they had to cancel. So if you're available, I would be happy to meet with you and make this conversation happen. And he said, yeah, I'm open. Let's make it happen. And uh, here it is, guys. We, We sat down and we had a great conversation. And Charlie shares everything that he's gone through. And we had a great conversation that I think uh, you are truly going to enjoy and feel like you can get a ton out of it. I uh, honestly did not have to do much work here. I was just sitting there as a spectator, as Charlie, who is a master of entertainment, uh, just laid it on me thick. So I hope you enjoy this hour with uh, Charlie Rocket and you get to learn more about him because he's someone who in the fitness industry is bound to make an impact that I believe is going to affect millions of people. So listen in, enjoy the episode, and I will check in with you on the back end of this awesome conversation. In five, four, three, two, and one, we have liftoff. Yeah, I'm sitting here with Charlie, Charlie Rocket, formerly known as CEO Charlie. Uh-huh. I, can't, I can't believe I'm actually sitting in front of you right now. Man, we're in beautiful Manhattan Beach. Man, you walked into my house with the greatest energy. Man, this is crazy. We've had the deepest conversation. We pulled out the whiteboards. We talked about life. Bro, this has been an incredible two hours. I spent with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to see me and now to share with uh, the people that listen. What's up, everybody? Yeah. It, no, it's super exciting. We, we've talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that we talked about is fitness. Mm. You know, when you think about fitness right now, I'm looking at you. And uh, besides wearing the dabbing Santa (laughs) sweater, we're going to talk about that later probably. You have the Nike logo right behind you, Mm -hmm. that Nike swoosh. And then you have two pairs of shoes in a nice box, a Nike box there. And it says, Charlie, your story isn't over yet. And we're proud to be a part of your journey. All of us together, moving forward, the run is what you make it, your Nike running family. 
you're an athlete. I don't care what Wes says. Wes, Wes. If Wesley Knight is listening right now, you're an athlete. So Wesley Knight is a good friend of both of ours. He played in the MLS, highest level of athletics. He says to me the other day, he says, Charlie, you're not an athlete. I'm like, bro, I did an Ironman. Like, I biked across America. He's like, you're still not an athlete, bro. Like, you got some work to do. But true to this, to crash it into the wall real quick, if you notice that was all about running, yeah. Notice the shoes I put in it. I know that those are not running They're shoes. They're basketball those are shoes. Basketball shoes. So it's like I have to merge cuz to me like running isn't exactly cool. So it's like if you're going to give me a limited edition Nike box with all this cool like that actually has that that top right there with the logo. There's little rockets engraved on it. If you look closely. I'm just seeing it right now. So so I have the coolest box ever and I just couldn't bring myself to fill it with Running shoes. <laughs> I like. I come from hip hop. It's got to be cool. So we got the Supreme, um, the Supreme up tempos, and then we got the BPM, which is really cool. Anyways, for everybody wondering, there's some cool shoes in the box. There's there's some cool shoes in the box, and it's cool. What's what's up with those shoes over there? Oh, those are those are my astronaut shoes. Look at the shiny okay. with the astronaut backpack behind you. Nike gave me that astronaut saw, backpack. You've, you've shown that in a couple of your. You have that in one YouTube video. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm Charlie Rocket. So like, if you look around, you'll like see like rocket stuff, and like I have somewhere over here like a little rocket stuffed animal monkey. Anyways, yeah. Long story short, I'm just trying to have fun, and I'm like with running. I'm like running is so boring. How do we make it fun? Uh, we gotta, we gotta create these characters. We gotta, we gotta make it colorful. Like, why is everybody? If I go to a five k, ten k, or a marathon right now, it's literally anti swag. It's like the opposite of fashion. It's like everybody looks the same. Everybody dresses the same. Every there's no swag. No wonder no kids aspire to be runners. It's like you can't be cool and run at the same time. It's like if you're going to run, you've got to dumb it down and not be cool. I wish there was like a, a running outfits that like something like ASAP Rocky would wear. Like, why can't we have like a jogger, right, with the three quarter pant, you know, and a three quarter jacket to where like I could look fresh and I could run at the same time, not get too hot, but I could still be fresh. Like, that's what I wish existed more of. Um, And that's the type of athlete I want to be. I I, I might come in last place, you know, in in the in the Ironman. But you know what? I came in fashionably late. (laughs) (laughs) But you. You finished. I did finish. Were, were you tight on uh, missing the cap? Man, it was so stressful. So, okay. Yeah, tell me about that. What, I, what happened there? Iron Man uh, took me 16 hours and 41 minutes to complete. Each one of the sections has its own cutoff time. The swim portion, you know, we finished early. It was easy. I did all my training without a wetsuit, and then I wore a wetsuit for the very first time. So you're floating. I'm floating. You know uh, who Rich Roll is? Yeah. So Rich Roll mentored me through my Ironman, and I would do all my training, and then we're headed to New Zealand. And I FaceTime Rich Roll, and I'm like, yeah, man, um, I'm going to buy a wetsuit when I get there. He said to me, he said, you haven't even swam in a wetsuit yet are you crazy charlie i was like i just figured it'd be like the same thing it's like move your arms like this and he's like 
Charlie, you need to actually like put on a wetsuit and try it out before you do the Ironman. That's a big deal. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I get into the little lake the day before the Ironman. And then I, I, I was swimming and I called Rich. I said, you didn't tell me how easy it is to swim in a wetsuit. It literally makes you float. You're able to go faster. And I finished the, um, the swimming portion of the Ironman an hour before the cutoff because I did all my training without it where everybody else, they're training in their wetsuits. So I had like stronger muscles. Um, anyways, get into the bike portion, which is 112 miles and I'm not fast on the bike. And, um, they sent out like an hour into it. I think it was, I was on pace to like finish it within, you know, eight hours or something. Ironman sends a motorcycle out to send me a message because they really wanted me to like finish. They wanted like this inspirational story. They said, Charlie, at the current pace you're keeping, you're within 15 minutes of being disqualified. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got like 14 more hours to go in this entire race. And you're telling me I can't slow down any. And what mile were you on? It was like mile 30. Oh, so you were just in the first quarter of the of the bike. And I'm like, wow. And every thought that's going through my head is like, if I slow down one pedal stroke, I'm going to be disqualified. I flew all the way to New Zealand. I flew my mom to New Zealand. I flew a camera to New Zealand. I flew my friends to New Zealand to watch me. And they're about to kick me out of the race. Wow. So I'm stressed. But it also gave me that fuel. Long story short, I made it through the bike portion, got into the run portion. Same situation. We finished uh, 19 minutes from the uh, disqualification time. Wow. We started at 7 in the morning. And when you say we, so you weren't alone. You had someone next to you? My best friend, Scott. Yeah, he's, I call him Old Man River. He's older than me. He's, uh, he's like 50. But he did it too. And he made it right there with me. Um, For a second, I thought it was you and Charlie Rocket. <laughs> That's the we, the royal we. But no, it was it was actually a friend. It was it was it was Charlie Rocket and Scotty Moonboots. That is awesome. Yeah, man. Scotty Moonboots. Yeah, man. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a nickname. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. And uh, so you've completed an Ironman, uh-huh. and you've also biked across the country. Yeah, L.A. to New York. What's the deal with that, man? I remember I was in a tent in Ojai. I was I was at one of the darkest moments in my life and I went on a hiking trip to try to just find answers. It was out here in the mountains of LA, outside of LA about an hour out. And I'm just spending all this time in my head trying to figure out how to get unstuck. At the time I was still in my business and I was unhappy and I knew there was more out there for me than what I was experiencing. Like I knew, like my heart was having this desire to go on a journey. And I'm in that tent and I'm writing in my journal. And I said, you know what? If I biked across America, I can find who I am through a journey like that. I need to do something to find myself. So I made a promise to myself that I would do it. It was slightly delayed because I ended up leaving my business. I lost the 130 pounds. I did the Ironman in New Zealand. And that's when I said, right when I got done with the Ironman in New Zealand, I said, I had to keep my word to myself. I said I was going to do it. I still wasn't at my goal. I had lost 130, but I got like 160. So what did you start at? 
um, in terms of weight. 305. 305, mm-hmm. brain tumor, mm-hmm. feeling super unhealthy, mm-hmm. finding a lot of success in your music business. Grammy award winning, $15 million a year music business that at my darkest point, I said, I'm just going to walk away and reinvent my whole life. And become an athlete. That was my goal. When I was eight years old, I had a dream. And when we're eight, we don't know what society does. We don't know what's realistic. We just have these dreams. Like, that's it. Like, eight-year-olds are so truthful. Like, there's enough awareness, but we don't know that 401ks and mansions and cars. Like, we just, I want to be an app. Like, me, I love basketball. I love sports. Michael Jordan, I read every book. It was my dream. I want to be fit. I was always overweight. I would have dreams. I still have them that I like die in my dream before I get fit. And I'm like, damn it. I didn't, I didn't get to experience what it's like to be fit. Like, fuck, you know, sorry to cuss, but like literally that would be the thought in my head. If I died in my dream, I'd be like, damn it. Mm -hmm. I didn't make it. I just wanted one thing in my life to experience what it's like to be fit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, were you not fit as a kid? Never. I was always overweight. Uh, dieting since like age 10. You know, it's just, mm, it's just odds were stacked against me, but I appreciate it. When you say the odds were stacked against you, what, what was it? What was stacked against you? Um, um, man, I mean, it's not just me. I mean, America, seven out of 10 of us are overweight or obese. Like, it's mostly everybody the odds are stacked against. But it's my parents, they didn't know. They didn't know what, you know, the right health was um, all the way. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I started making too many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Then I got addicted to food. Then I started dieting. That made me more addicted to food. Then I would starve myself. Then I would binge eat. Then it was like psychological issues with food and my relationship with food. And then I would exercise and then out eat my exercise. Then I would run marathons, gain 40 pounds. Then I would starve myself down 100 pounds. Then I would start binge eating. And then my brain tumor grew. And then I'm at the darkest place in my life mm. where I said, okay. If I'm a tree and I'm not bearing fruit, there's nothing on the top of the soil that I can fix. There's no pruning. There's no watering. I got to transplant this whole tree into a whole new soil. And I said, you know what? I'm going to walk away from my business. I'm going to move out to California. Where's the healthiest place in the world? I identified Santa Monica. I said, send me wherever their healthy people are. I just need to be surrounded by it. Went to Santa Monica. Reversed my brain tumor, became a vegan, and uh, started training for the Ironman. And I just put my head down and focused, and uh, I imposed my will on it. And I said, I'm not going to, my story is not over yet. That can't be how it ends. That's that's why up there on the little Nike That's thing. why that box says your story isn't over yet. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And you're telling your story. You know, there's a part of a story that I'm very curious about. The moment where you realize that... You are unhappy, not healthy, and you're, you're ready to walk away from your business. One of the main questions I've been getting about this podcast is, how do people know when it's time to change? Mm. I remember when I first met 2 Chains. My... My first impression of him was sadness. 
He was in such a dark place. I'd go to his studio on the south side of Atlanta, and his studio was, like, filled with gangsters. Like, it was crazy. Like, 30, 40 different gangsters. There's a pool table in there rolling dice. And 2 Chainz was just in there recording music. And I would sit on the edge of this weight bench. And he would just have his head down. He would talk to me. But he wouldn't look at me. His head would be down. Like his his arms would be on his knees. His head would be down. And he would just tell me. He said, man, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Like I have a two-year-old daughter. I'm tired of selling drugs. I'm just tired. Nobody's supporting. I've been doing this for 10 years by myself. I've been signed to this record label and they've never shown me what I deserve. I'm tired. I don't have money. I'm putting my family at risk and I'm tired. And I saw this look on his face where it's just everything had to change in his life. Fast forward eight years after me seeing him turn his life around and he got around the right people and he became Grammy award-winning world tours. He became colorful. He became flamboyant. He became himself. He's one of the most entertaining, fun human beings in all of hip hop. And when I was at my darkest moment, I looked back at him and I was like, man, that's where I'm at. Everything's got to change. I'm tired. I'm so tired. I gotta get around the right people. I gotta reinvent everything. I gotta have fun. I'm beat down. And the night we won a Grammy, I made a decision. I didn't even go to the Grammy Awards. And it was the biggest accomplishment of my life. But I didn't want to be around it. Because I was ready for a whole new life to where the Grammys didn't even mean anything to me anymore. That's not what I want to celebrate. And I walked away from the business. Just handed it over to my business partners. I'm going to be fine. They said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be an athlete. And they're looking at a 300-pound man who's 28 years old. Like, what? Well, hold on, what? <laughs> You're going to be a what? No, I'm going to be an athlete. It's my dream. How are you going to make money? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go figure it out. I'm going to do Ironman. I'm going to bike across America. I'm going to do it. And I did it, and it worked out. And, you know, when Nike calls and wants to put me in the biggest commercial of all time and, you know, different things worked out, I mean, it was was amazing. But I, I chased my dream, and 2 Chains was a reinvention story. I wanted to be a reinvention story. I just kept telling myself over and over, my story's not over yet. That can't be how it ends. They, that, that, that just can't be how it ends. That was not my life. Well, there's, there's one thing we all want in common. When we're watching a movie, we all want a happy ending. That's it. We don't want the movie to be like, oh, that sucked. Like, we want it to end good. So are you saying that we can write the ending of the movie? I believe so. You, you uh, I was just looking at uh, the, the number of notebooks that you have. Mm. <laughs> you have like a good 30 over there. Yeah, that's only some of them. Yeah. yeah. T- tell me about those notebooks because it seems like you're writing a story in there. And that story is unfolding 
uh, on Instagram, on your podcast, The Charlie Rocket Show, uh, in commercials. Mm-hmm. What are you writing in the, in the notebooks? What story are you writing? All right, so I call the notebooks my, my quantum possibilities notebooks. I was introduced to quantum physics and how it pertains to the law of attraction, how the law of attraction is ultimately explained by quantum physics, how we're all connected. And I was like, hmm, if we're all connected, then what I want, I'm already connected to, so how do I get it to come to me? So in quantum physics, man, it states that we're all energy. So let's say we have a pond. I got a few rocks right here. Hold on one second. All right, I got a few rocks right here. And I'm going to drop each one of these rocks separately into a pond. They're in different locations, and they're going to drop into the water. One, two, and three. Those rocks are separate. They're not near each other. But the waves that come off of each one of those rocks entangle and collide somewhere. That's me, that's you, and that's everything we want. We're all out there collided in some way. We're not separate. There's, there's, there's connection between me and you. There's connection between what you want and yourself. So if we believe that we're connected to what we want, how do we attract it into our life? Well, that's what I do in my notebooks. I write with the intent that this is already mine. Time just moves slow, like this whole time thing exists, you know, like I I would say, I have my notebook right over there. I'm going to be in a commercial with LeBron James and Serena Williams, the most unlikely request ever. But I knew in my heart that that's something that as an athlete, I wanted to be. If I'm going to be an athlete, I want to be in commercials with the best athletes ever. Well... Nike calls me and says, we want to put you in this commercial with Colin Kaepernick, the most famous, maybe, sports commercial in the history of the world. And who was in that commercial with me? LeBron James and Serena Williams. That's incredible. But I would create, and the the origin, the Hebrew origin of the word abracadabra means, as I speak, I create. That's what I do. I speak in my notebook. And I tell everybody what I want. And I send out these, 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 these waves of energy. And, and if I send it from the heart and I truly believe it and I truly want it, it comes back to me in the craziest ways. I've got, I've got you know, hundreds of crazy stories. But I write in my notebook and I write and I always say, it's already done. Time hasn't caught up yet. Yeah, people, people tend to say that you'll, you'll find what you're looking for. And when you write this in your quantum notebooks, mm. you are setting a very clear vision of where you're going, the end of the story, mm-hmm. the happy ending that you want to see, the one that people are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And along the way, how you connect those dots, the ripples, it's almost like the ripples are going in, you're reverse engineering the mm-hmm. ripples. Mm-hmm. So when you wrote that you wanted to be in that commercial, what were the steps that you took? Because once you had the, the goal, you started taking steps. What were some of the steps that you remember uh, now looking back at that okay. defined the path? 
So the very first thing is I asked myself, well, what makes sense? And me looking at Nike, I was like, wow, that's a big company. Oh, me being an athlete at Nike, that's not very realistic, but what makes sense to me? And I look at all these high-performing athletes on TV in their commercials. I'm like, huh, Nike needs a common man athlete. Somebody to inspire the guy sitting on the couch who might be overweight or sick. Nike needs that. So let me show them what they need. So I was like, if I'm going to be a Nike athlete, and I believe in the law of attraction, let me dress up as a Nike athlete. Well, what do Nike athletes have? They have all Nike clothes, and they have commercials. I said, you know what? I'm going to make a Nike commercial. And that's going to be all those waves of energy I put out into the quantum field are going to be, I'm a Nike athlete. I'm all, it's already done. Time just hasn't caught up yet. Here's a commercial. I'm wearing Nike, and I'm going to put it into everybody's hearts. And I put it out. Three days later, Nike calls me and says, we don't know who you are, but you have our campus in a frenzy. Because so many people who saw the film, they were calling their friends who work at Nike, and the whole campus is circulating this film. And next thing you know, I'm a Nike athlete. It's sick. And and you you put that out on YouTube. YouTube and Instagram. Instagram, and, and they found it. Yeah, it got a million views on Facebook. A million views on Facebook. And when was this? February. Of 2018. Mm-hmm. And how... Uh, long did it take before the commercial actually happened? The one that you were featured in? That came out in September. So from the first quarter mm-hmm. of 2018 until September, you were able to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And within that window, did you know that you were going to be in that commercial? Never so, know. So what were you doing from the time that you created your YouTube uh, mm-hmm. commercial to the actual commercial what was charlie thinking about then and what was he he going for i was i was biking across america letting the world know i'm chasing my dream to be an athlete i'm putting out that energy i will be an athlete i will be an athlete i will be an athlete and nike nike they were inspired by it so it's like we got their attention and then i lived it i i i literally lived the story I wanted to, I, I just imagine being a grandfather and telling my kids like yeah you know back in old 2008 I biked across America and I was in a commercial like that's a cool thing yeah. like I want that life resume right I want these little trophies on my shelf when I'm a grandfather like hey look what I did back in my day you know so I'm I'm just trying to live the story yeah it's a great way of telling the story too yeah, ma'am. That's incredible. It, it, I'm, th- I'm still thinking about Wes. You know, ah! Wesley's, Wesley's saying that you're not an athlete. <laughs> but you, you went on the Nike website, uh-huh. and you saw that it said that if you have a body, you are an athlete. Yes. And you used that to uh-huh. curate the story. Yes. That, I was like, wow, that's a nugget. That, that fed right into what I was thinking. I was like, Nike needs a common man athlete. And then I saw in their mission statement, they talk about this. And I was like, but they don't really like show it. So they need to. Why don't you think they show it? Or um, why haven't they shown it? Uh, what are they missing? I 
I mean, now they do. Like, that's what the whole Colin Kaepernick campaign was. And, like, it, the the original film I made, Nike, the guys at the top of the company said, you inspired us to take the company in a new direction. I was like, me? I'm like, yeah, man. And the day the Colin Kaepernick commercial came out, the, the guy who made the decision to pull that risky move, um, he called me. He said, thank you. It worked. I was like, wow, man. This is crazy. Like Nike just shook up the world with a commercial where they're featuring athletes who have crazy dreams. Like there's, you know, somebody in the commercial that's a, a basketball player with no legs or there's a wrestler, you know, with, you know, no arm. Like it's like athletes like me. I mean, they put me in the commercial because I brain tumor and lost weight and did an Ironman. But they went out and gave deals, Nike deals, to like a hundred and they platformed a hundred and thirty athletes like me that aren't exactly normal athletes. They gave a Nike deal to a to a to a runner who has epilepsy, and it like went viral on the internet. Like he has a Nike deal, and he's like, you know, he has he, he's not the average athlete. So there was a, a, a how you would say a butterfly effect. I created something that shifted Nike and they shifted the whole world with an idea that I had. And it's it's just so crazy that this story exists. It's almost not real. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking about right now as you're telling me this story? It's interesting that you were managing musicians. Mm-hmm. And now it's almost as if you've stepped into becoming a musician, mm-hmm. but expressing yourself as an athlete. Mm-hmm. If you were to uh, put the career of a successful musician, quote unquote successful, what, what we, the common people, believe uh, a successful musician looks like, mm-hmm. side by side to an athlete, is signing uh, a deal with uh, Nike like signing with a record label? Yeah. Or is it different? Yeah, it is. It's It's... As an athlete growing up in America, like Nike is, I'm, I was born in 1988, so it's like Nike, like that's where Michael Jordan is, like that's as cool as it gets. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna, you every who, I mean, I want a shoe deal. You know, who do you want a shoe deal with? Like now you got Adidas and stuff like that right. exists and Under Armour that exists, but Nike, I mean, nobody can. I mean, they're they're Goliath. They're the biggest. The, they're the, big, they're, they're best the biggest performing stock in the Dow 30 this past year. It's incredible. So it's like Nike, like, for example, two chains, celebrity, but can never get a Nike deal. I won't say ever because anybody can, anybody can get it. Um, but I was, as his, you know, overweight 300 pound manager was able to get a Nike deal before him. Like it's, it's kind of insane. It's an insane story, but it is like signing a record deal. It's Mm. a, it's a big deal being a part of that company. Yeah. But your story is not over yet. Meaning when a musician signs a record deal, Mm. is that the end or is that the beginning? What's the deal there? (laughs) A lot of the times it's the beginning of the end. (laughs) Oh, tell me about that. Because this is something that I'm very curious about. What happens when you sign the big deal or you sign the the, the record deal? Now you you owe the record label mm. five albums. Uh, so so usually you're what paying for it in some way. It's a terrible business model. I don't know how they uh, allow this in the legal system of America that a record label can take eighty five percent of your money. Basically, they're they're giving you a loan. You got to pay it back. And after you pay it back, they still keep 85% of your business. It's an insane business model. But hey, that's the music industry. Yeah. Um, 
So why signing a record label is, and we're going to go on a little tangent here. Yeah, please. No, I, I want to get into this. This is important. So many artists, they build up their careers organically. It starts in their neighborhood, then it moves to a club, then it moves to the city, and then it just grows organically and they build this fan base. This is nowadays. Like the way it used to, like Motown days, like you needed a record label. Now record labels are just really getting the credit for what kids are doing themselves on social media and building up their own fan base. But what I've experienced is when we would build up our fan bases, we would go to the record label, we would get our deal, and we would like expect that something magical was about to happen because, oh, like, this is an American dream, record deal. Like, that's just one of the things that are installed in us. There's like, I want to be a movie star. I want a record deal. I want to win the Super Bowl. Like, the, the only difference between this American dream and all the others are, so I want to win the Super Bowl. That's like actual success. Like, you've actually, like, you're at the finish line. Like, there's, like, that's the highest level there is. I want to be a movie star. If you're a movie star, like, You've got the money already, like you've made it. But the record deal is like, oh, I want a record deal. That is the wrong goal to want because that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing to have a record deal because you can be on the bench. And if you stop doing what you were doing, thinking the record label is going to start doing stuff for you, once they see you're cold, oh, they're not putting you out. And you could sit on the bench for 10 years like how 2 Chains was. 2 Chains was signed to Ludacris for 10 years. Before, A decade. Before me and my business partners came along. So what changed? What, what happened when you came in? How, how did the, you turn that around? So, so many times we're looking to successful people to be the people who are going to change our lives. When in reality, what I've experienced... Is somebody who just has the heart and cares about you is really going to be the person to change your life. See, 2 Chains, he was around the Ludacrises and around the Lil Waynes, the biggest in the game. And yet, the 19-year-old, you know, chubby white guy who wasn't exactly a big industry manager, had some local success. And my business partner, who was just a DJ for a washed-up rapper, and my other business partner, who was just from the streets of Savannah, but we were the ones who would pass out the CDs outside the club every night. We were the ones who lived the project so much that nobody could sell it better than us. Nobody can be as passionate about it as us than us because it was our, it was our lifeline. It was all we had, so we had to make it work. So I remember 2 Chains walked out of the club one night, and he looked over. And he saw me passing out CDs in my button-down shirt and tie in the rain, in the winter time, And he was like, wow, like, this is what it's like to have a real manager. Because I had gotten fired a couple times before I signed Travis Porter and 2 Chains, And I remember I went to this one guy by the name of Bill Cook for advice. Bill Cook wasn't a music manager. He was a vacuum cleaner sales manager. What? My mom sold vacuum cleaners. And she had this one manager who she loved. And she performed at the highest level because he was so regenerating. He was so positive. He was so amazing. And I, I, was, I was striking out as a young manager in the music industry. So I, I was desperate. I needed this to work. I was living in my mom's basement. And I go to Bill Cook and I said, Bill what am I doing wrong? He said, first thing, 
you need to realize you are of servitude. An amazing manager is going to be of service to their client. You are here to serve them. Yes, they're assigned to you, but they don't work for you. You work for them. You need to be 10 steps ahead at all time. You need to make sure they can't walk in a straight line without you. You got to have it so so tight. You got to be so passionate about helping them achieve their goal. And when I started acting as a servant, I became one of the best managers in the music industry. Wow. And how did two chains uh, start? Uh, maybe not start, but what changed in your relationship with two chains then? Because something must have changed because after you had that conversation, you realized that, oh, yeah, I have to be of servitude. That's the what, what changed in your relationship? That I actually had that conversation um, a couple of years before I even discovered two chains. So oh, I had okay. gotten fired by a couple artists already. When you were doing videography at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I signed a girl group. Both got fired. This was for Soldier Boy. Yeah, that was yeah. Soldier Boy's videographer. And then um, he let me go. Then I signed a girl group. And then they let me go. And that's when I had the conversation with Bill Cook. So then I found my next group and I acted completely differently with them. That's when I became a servant. Okay, the timeline makes sense now. And then after them, I discovered two chains and once again, a servant. So uh, the lesson is we don't always have to find some big successful person to help us with our business or our mentorship. It can be somebody who's not successful at all, but has the passion. My favorite thing, and I learned this in vacuum cleaner sales, if I would go into a house and they would ask me a question that I didn't know, don't try to make up some lie or try to stutter on your words. Be honest. I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out for you. And I would do that with my artists. If I don't know how to do something, if I don't know how to get you a record deal, if I don't know how to get you on the radio... But I have the passion to find the answer. That's what being of service is. Right. And and you're clearly a problem solver. I mean, you're wearing the dabbing Santa. <laughs> uh, can you tell us that story really quickly about the dabbing Santa? Yeah, so dabbing uh, Santa. This is an ugly Christmas sweater. And yes, it is uh, July uh, 11th or something right now. I, I don't know what date it is. But it's almost like having your Christmas it's, tree it's cool in July. But I love it because this was um, this was a part of my legacy. Uh, one day I woke up and I said, I want to get two chains into the merch game. Like we're leaving a lot of money on the table. We need to make some money like doing merch. And I thought back to my teenage years. I had a whole bunch of e-commerce businesses that were successful. I said, I'm going to do great at this. So I, I built out this store and we got a merch company who's going to do all the printing. And I, I promised them, I said, we're going to be the biggest client you guys got. And I asked him, I said, uh, who's your current biggest client? And they said, Machine Gun Kelly. He does about $100,000 a month. I said, no problem. We'll beat him. Um, funny story, I actually discovered Machine Gun Kelly as well. Um, I ended up not signing him, um, and I'm super happy for him. But uh, So I had to beat Machine Gun Kelly. That was my goal. I'm a that very was the competitive goal. That was, person. That was what you were going for. So I put this collection of shirts together, like 40 designs. I made this amazing pop-up shop in Atlanta. Huge campaign. Two Chains is like kind of getting mad at me. He's like, you're spending a lot of money. I said, oh, don't worry, man. We're going to make it. We're going to make a lot. Don't worry about that. So we launched the store. 
and we put it on his Instagram, three, four million people on Instagram. And I'm sitting there hitting refresh, like waiting for the sales to come in. And I'm hitting refresh. And I see the hits going up, but I don't see any sales. So so I call I call the merch company. Uh, uh, can y'all check the, the buy now button, make sure the cart is working? Because the sales aren't coming in, but everybody's on the site. And they're like, no, everything's working. 30 minutes passes. An hour passes. Ah, we got a sale. Ah, <laughs> One sale. It's working. I'm like, oh, now we're about to be rich. Like, it just takes people time to get through the checkout. <laughs> right. Man, that day we only had eight sales. I'm thinking to myself, hold on. How is this possible? Two Chains has millions of followers, big celebrity, and yet eight sales. And then, like, Two Chains asked me, like, how'd it do? Because he knows I spent a ton of money. I was like, uh, <laughs> only had eight sales, but don't worry, I'm going to figure it out. Was he pissed? He was frustrated. He doesn't get pissed in okay. like a, a, a aggressive way. He gets like quiet. And if he gets aggressive, it's really bad. Um, but he was just like frustrated. So he was like, all right, I, but I promise him, I'm going to figure this out. I put together another collection. Nothing. Put together another collection. Nothing. I remember this is like two or three months after I'm in the car with my business partner, Tech. And I said, Tech, I am pulling my hair out. Why don't you think we can sell any shirts? Why does nobody want to buy one? He said, Charlie, man, I I just don't know. And he said, huh, have you tried putting up a shirt uh, that we had from like five years ago for our first album? It It was black and it had two chains on it going around the neck but it was printed on the shirt so it looked like people were wearing two chains and i was like won't hurt to try let me go upload it and see what happens i uploaded it we sold like 30 shirts i'm like huh people like chains on their shirt so then i was like okay now i have direction okay it's getting near christmas time it's november And ugly Christmas sweaters are like a cultural thing. They're not extremely popular yet, but it's like something people do. So I was like, okay, what if I put the two chainses on an ugly Christmas sweater? Made the design, uploaded it. Sold like 200 that day. And I'm calling two chains. Ooh, I'm going to get your money back. I'm going to get your money back. We're, We're on fire now. Which, you know, 200 is still not real money. But but I, I feel optimistic. Because we're we're getting somewhere after four months of nothing. Four months. Of nothing. Of me trying and striking out. And then the next morning, I'm laying in bed. And and I can't say I think of my ideas. They find me. I did not think of this. It hit me in the head. And it was like, ding. Wow, where did that come from? And the idea of dabbing Santa, which is a, a chubby Santa... Doing the dab dance. (laughs) And and in Atlanta, this is 2015. Like the dab dance like is not gone national yet. It's a cultural thing. But at the same time, Cam Newton is starting to do it in the end zone when he scores. And like it was like bubbling. So I said, Santa doing the dab dance. Thought of the idea on November 22nd at 8 a.m. I released it, designed it and released it by 2 p.m. And we did 30,000 in sales. That day. Then the next day, 50,000 in sales. We wow. got up to doing 100,000, 150,000, 200,000 in sales a day. We did two 
million in sales in 30 days. We're talking about everybody from Cam Newton to, 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 to NBA on TNT to Fox Sports. I would turn on the Warriors game. I'd see nine of them in the crowd. Wow. I would walk in the mall. There would be 30, 40 different people. And is people. it the one that you're wearing right now? That's the one? This is, this is actually Because this I see Sprite. This is the Sprite collaboration. This is no what happened way. this year. So this is three years later, the Sprite collaboration. Sprite um, last year had the dabbing Santa sweaters in the LeBron James cartoon commercial. So it was like a cartoon commercial with LeBron James and everybody's wearing Did you have anything Santa. to do with that? I had walked away at the business. Okay. I walked away. But that was, I mean, I love it. And the reason why I wear it, I mean, I handed everything over in the business to my business wow. partners. So I'm super happy to so see you didn't them. Even get, you didn't even get bought out. You just left. I just left. I, I loved them too much. I was like, I, I shouldn't, like all the advisors were like, Charlie, make them pay you. Oh, like, like I watched Dr. Dre's documentary. When he left, he just let his the old partners have it. Like, I'll be like Dr. Dre. Like, they can have it. I'll yeah. create a whole new life for myself. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I went through uh, uh, a separation in my, with my business partner, and it took me a long time. Mm. to pay him off and then pay off all my taxes. So it was a nightmare for me financially. Mm. I wish uh, it could have been like that. And looking back that we could have just walked away from each other and that would have been it. Mm. What do you think that is? How, how do you, how do you do that? Where does that come from? How did you, how did you have that certainty? Where does that certainty come from that? You know that everything's going to be okay and that you're going to figure it out. Man, I, I'm a I'm a delusional optimist. It's it's a lot like being an eight year old, no measuring stick. Oh, I'm gonna be an athlete. I don't I don't need the money. Like I'm gonna be fine. Like, and I think that's how I'm actually able to attract all the good things because, I mean, I'm only sending out positive energy, so positive things come back. When everything around me is crashing down, I'm still like, oh no, this is a good thing. Like like because I look at all the bad things that did happen and they were all my gifts brain tumor would i be a nike athlete without a brain tumor like come on like that was a gift would would i be able to have empathy for people if i didn't get fired over and over you know like that was a gift like i remember you know the guy who snaked away you know my artist my first group from me it's the greatest gift because after that i got to discover an even better group like to where if he had never snaked them away then I would I would be like stuck with them and like not successful. Everything is a gift, so I look at it like a negative. All right, let's paint a picture in our minds. A negative is a horizontal line, and a negative knocks you down. So you go down, and but when you get up, it now makes a plus sign, which is a positive. Every negative, as long as I get up, it turns into a positive. Every single time. So when everything's crashing down around me, I'm like, oh, this is just another gift. All I got to do is get up and it's going to turn into something great for me. Right. You know, it's uh, as you're speaking, a lot of stuff is coming up for me. And, and when I think about you, your fitness journey, becoming an athlete, I'm thinking that fitness doesn't necessarily start in the body, but it starts in the heart. Mm. Mm. You're fit at heart, mm -hmm. and that fitness has transcended upward into 
your head. <laughs> it's true. And it's coming out of your mouth <laughs> and in your actions. Yeah. And now it's also transcending uh, literally to your gut. Mm. And our gut has a lot to do with how we're feeling. You know, when you're nervous or anxious and you get it in your gut. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in a way, your weight loss journey is you taking fitness, not just physical, but mental and emotional. Yeah. And that's now what it seems like you're transcending into. And as you're becoming an athlete, mm-hmm. which I already see you as one. But <laughs> up, as, for, up for debate. <laughs> yeah, but as you're becoming an athlete, uh-huh. <clears throat> my question is, when does one, uh, what's the finish line? I know what my finish line is. What is it? Oh, I know. It is so clear as day. I'm going to look in the mirror, and I'm going to finally be able to say, I love you. And then I'll find the next journey to go on, and I'll maintain it, and I'll I'll achieve my greatness, and I'll move on to the next one. But I've been trying to close this. I've been trying to come up with the ending to this freaking book for my whole life and I'm ready for it to end. I don't want to chase the self-love anymore. And there is a big part of aesthetics that have to do with self-love. 100%. I want to look in the mirror. I deserve to look in the mirror and say, damn, you look good. I've gotten to the point where with clothes on, I can say, damn, you look good. That picture of you with the suit? I can say that, but I can cover up. I could layer, you know, like I'm still carrying about 35 pounds of fat. Mm-hmm. I deserve to look in the mirror. I want to experience what that's like to not have an asterisk beside, you know, do I love myself? Well, kind of. I do. I, I do love myself. It's not all or nothing. It's not black or white. I was like, oh, I, I love myself and I don't. It's somewhere in between. But I would like to experience what it's like to look in the mirror. I'm sure you get to look in the mirror and be like, you know what, bro? You look pretty damn good. There's a little well, bit Well, you more. know what's funny, actually? Sorry for interrupting, but I, my friend Caroline, mm-hmm. uh, who is an Olympian, mm-hmm. been to the Olympics, won bronze medal mm-hmm. in 2008 for wow. swimming. Wow. She's amazing. And I was just telling her in the car right now, when I see myself in the mirror, I don't love it fully either. And that's the thing that I'm working on right now. Mm. And I'm no longer an athlete, quote unquote, uh, as defined in the rule book, Mm -hmm. but I'm a coach and I'm in the fitness space and I'm not there yet either. Mm. And I... I can relate to what you're saying. And that is my finish line as well. I'm just wondering is, is it really the physical or is is there a combination there? Bro, I have dreams at night where I die and I'm like, damn, I didn't get there. Like, I'll know when I'm there. I will feel it. And I don't think it'll be, I'm I'm, going to manifest and tell myself it's not going to be one of those things I get addicted and I got to go further. I got to go further. I don't want to go further. It's like for me with money, for example, I I get to a certain level and it's like, okay, I don't need to be like more like, let me just like have freedom and then I can move on to the next journey. I'm not on a chase to just stockpile, stockpile, stockpile. So that's why I was able to walk away from the business. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be an athlete. Like I, I've checked off this like business thing. And you set yourself free. And I set myself free. So when I look in the mirror, I'll know. And that might not be for everybody, but I think everybody should be able to get to that point to be like, okay, there is an end. Like, I don't have to keep 
going further and further and further and it's like a carrot on a stick to mm-hmm. self-love yeah and you, you if you saw yourself in the in the mirror and you said i love you charlie mm-hmm. and you love what you saw would you consider yourself fit then oh yeah right oh, psh, yeah so, can't wait so once charlie gets to the point where he's quote unquote physically fit meaning he can say 100% certain mm-hmm. i love you mm-hmm. now the question is for what Hmm. For what? Yeah, why do you want to, what do you, why would you want to say, I love you, Charlie? What happens Uh, then? A few things. We'll start with the shallow end of the pool. Go for it. Okay. I want to be confident. That's important. I want to walk through my day and not fear a camera, not fear the mirror, not fear going out to a party, out. And that's all confidence. It would be nice to not have to like have those little like bullets flying at you through the day. That would be nice. The deep end of the pool is in order to love somebody else, you got to love yourself. Like you got to put out what you want. And if I'm putting out self-doubt, I'm going to get doubt. If I'm putting out all these belief systems and thoughts I'm thinking millions of times throughout the day, that's all law of attraction too. Isn't law of attraction just doesn't happen when you sit down in the notebook and write out what you want. It's also what you're thinking about all day. So when I love myself, I'll be able to find love in my life. I'm ready for that. But if I'm putting out uh, self-hate, guess what I'm going to get? I'm going to get, you know, hate coming into my life. I'm going to have bad negative relationships because that's what I'm putting out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like disappointment in myself. So, yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And Love. do you do you feel like you have a good support system? Pretty damn good. I got some people who believe in me and it's uh it's I had to change my circle. It wasn't always this way. Mm. But it was uh it was definitely um I had to get rid of everything. I had to clean the slate. I had to leave the city. I mean, I went to an extreme. I know not everybody listening can relate, but um, I wanted I wanted to save my life, so I had to I had to start all over, blank how, canvas. Yeah. How do you seek out what 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 are you looking for in a in a in a strong, healthy support system? What do you look for in people? <laughs> you know. Man, the first thing is, is, is how much they care, really, not, not what they want or like, like I look, I, I look for people like who don't ask for permission. That does a lot about if somebody cares. I'll give you an example with 2 chains. He didn't want us to manage him. He wanted a big industry manager named Rico Brooks to manage him. Right. And he would put us all in a room together. And he would like laugh at us when we said, we want to manage you. He's like, <laughs> I've been in this game longer than you've been alive. And I was like, no, like I want to manage you. And then I would, I would say, I would call him up and be like, I want to take you out to lunch. I have a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day game plan for you. And then I'd be passing out CDs, investing our own money. And then he would call me. He said, Charlie, where are you? I was like, oh, I'm driving to Jackson, Mississippi. He, Why? I'm going to the radio station to promote your song. He didn't have to ask me. And I didn't have to ask him. I'm just doing it. That's how you know somebody cares. If they're going to do something without asking per- for permission. There's this guy who um, 
who came in contact with me, legendary guy in in the motivation business, and is 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 as legendary as it can get. And start a conversation, and he sends over a contract on the first day, and we responded back to the email. Can we go on a few dates before we get married? Right. He says, I'm the most credible in the business. You know, this is completely fair. Um, the Whatever. Like, he's like, he's like defending him, making me sign before we can go on a few dates. And I'm just like, nope. You're, 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 you're looking for something. Like, I, I immediately write, I don't care how successful you are i just care about who cares about me and then i'll care about those people and then it's like you know i go over and beyond for people i care about and they go over and beyond for me so that's what i look for people who don't ask for permission but believe so big that they're going to do it whether i ask them to or not that's amazing and so uh, talking about that there there's an immediate circle of people that are there to support you Mm -hmm. and i feel like one of the reasons i wanted to meet you was because I see you as a beacon of light within the fitness industry and a voice that's needed to be presented uh, in many different ways. And I'm wondering, what can we do as an extension of the fitness, athletic, Mm -hmm. performance community? What can we do to support your mission? Man, (laughs) um... I guess I guess the, the the biggest thing you could do to support is just spread the word. I feel people need stories. People need um if if we can see somebody get something done, we can believe it's possible for us. It's like the the 4 minute mile guy, you know, like I don't know, forgot his name, but like Banneker or something like that. It's like nobody could run a four-minute mile until they saw somebody. So what I like to do is I like to tell stories and I like to entertain so that once somebody can see that everything is possible or like you can live multiple lives in one life. Yeah, you could be on the cover of Runner's World magazine. You can be in Nike commercials. You can win Grammys. You can bike across America. You could be in, you know, get fit and be on the cover of Men's Health. You can be a WWE wrestler. Like these are all things I want to do. I want to play in the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. I'm going to check all these things off in my life. And uh, if a listener is listening, oh, man, I'm nothing like Charlie, you know. No, I'm literally like you like do a little bit of research. I've been like like I wasn't fit. I just had to figure it out. Like I got fired from the business. I was living in mom's basement. I would struggle with depression. Every single thing you probably have on your checklist. I'm there, too. But I want to show people that everything is possible, not anything. Anything is so limiting. It's like when I hear anything is possible, I think like one thing. I, I'm I'm open to all the possibilities. I want to have like everything as possible. Like if I want to do this and change my mind and do something else, I'm going to do that too. I want to teach people that. So I'm going to live the story. I'm going to teach the lessons of everything I'm experiencing. And, and I'm doing it through, you know, like you're having me on your podcast. Like this is going to change somebody's life. It's amazing. So this is this is exciting that this exists, that we can talk in the microphones and somebody's life can change. It's insane. I was just thinking right now, I'm like, oh, Charlie Rocket, he is an entertainer, Mm. clearly. Anyone who's listened to this episode now knows that you have stories for days, and we said this earlier when you and I were just talking off off the mics, uh, we said that entertainment was holding focus. 
Mm-hmm. You you clearly hold focus, and I feel like right now what you're doing is your expression of entertainment is athletic performance. Mm-hmm. You are an athletic entertainer, <laughs> which is interesting. That's fun. And I was trying to think about: uh, Are there any other athletic uh, entertainers out there? I guess in, in the, the basketball scene, yeah, The Rock, uh-huh. WWE, yeah, uh, Globe Trotters, yeah, the Globe Trotters, yeah, yeah. So you are another uh, one of those, and it's interesting. I can't wait to see the movement mm. that you create. Man, I can't wait to see it either. That's amazing. So how, how can people uh, learn more from you? All right, first thing. I, Plug your show, man. Uh, man. Plug your show. So, so let me tell you my frustrations. <laughs> tell so me. a year ago, I got on Instagram. Yeah. I had taken a one-year break from all social media to reinvent my life. And when I came back, I was a whole new person. I'd retired. I was fit or more fit. I'd lost weight. Boom. And this entire year passed on my Instagram. Instagram even gave me the name at Charlie. Got verified. All these great things. Got 100,000 followers on Instagram. And I was so frustrated. And I'm like, I'm only able to show like 5% of my true self on Instagram. It's so limiting because the algorithm exist and and if you don't post something that you know reacts instantly um uh, uh it, they won't show it to the rest of your 100,000 followers so then i would have to dumb myself down to simple things like before and after pictures and only this one dimensional side of myself when i'm deep like i'm not the shallow end of the pool only like yeah i have the exciting things like nike commercials but i have a deep end like quantum physics and i can't talk about it on instagram so i got so frustrated i was like i need to talk And I started a podcast called The Charlie Rocket Show. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to be myself. And I'm just going to talk on this damn microphone about all the crazy things in my life. And it started reacting. And I started getting messages I had never gotten before. Even having 100,000 followers on Instagram, I would not be able to penetrate into people's hearts. Because I, I have to be able to go to the deep end of the pool. Instagram. It's the shallow end. And we need a shallow end. All pools need a shallow end. It's easy to get in. We could sit around and drink martinis if we want to. But the deep end of the pool is where we could actually dive and jump and and have real fun. Just imagine a a pool that was only a shallow end. That pool would suck. So we got to have both. So I love having a podcast and a microphone. You see my microphone sitting right here and... I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it, and I turn it on whenever I'm inspired to say something. And I go on rants, and I have theories. My show's called The Charlie Rocket Show. So anybody listening, please, 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 please. Yes, go. And uh, another way to support that is to rate and review yes. and write a little review. That's a super helpful. That's right. If right? you guys like it, you know. Uh, okay, so podcast ethics. Okay, so us as podcast hosts, yeah. a little, little 101. Yeah. The only way way we can make it on the top charts or if people actually click subscribe and rate so the podcast top charts has an algorithm and it weights who to rank by how many subscriptions and like for example with this podcast right here if probably you know 80 to 150 of you guys right now listening were to subscribe rate and leave a review right after y'all listen to this this podcast episode would probably make it top 50 Mm -hmm. on the charts like immediately 
out of only 80 to 120. So please, everybody go listen and rate this podcast right now. It really helps us as podcast hosts because the only way to get discovered, there's no share button for podcasts. Like it's a very antiquated style technology. Yeah, the community is hard to build there. It is. So we need y'all's support. That's awesome. And then you also have a book that you're writing. The book is actually done. It's done. It's the done. death of CEO Charlie. The life and death. The life and death. And yes. and tell me, when does that come out? I'm 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 trying to figure out what to do, let's man. Not, let's not disclose it yet. Then. So I, I, do I do I go with a publishing company or do I self-publish? I, I haven't figured out. I mean, I've had some phone calls, had some meetings, but maybe you can give me some advice. You're you a you, bestseller. You yeah, you could self-publish and then have someone license or buy the rights. And then have them use their whole engine. Mm. That's one way to go with it. Maybe so. Yeah. Or you can uh, have them publish it, have a contract that limits the time that they have it, buy the rights back or get the rights back, and then uh, go with your own publishing house. Mm. I'm getting some good consultation here, guys. You know, so (laughs) you, you get to do it both ways. Charlie, it's been a pleasure having you on. Are there any final words, anything you would like to share uh, with people listening right now, anything that they should take home with them? Yeah, believe bigger. We are, we've always been prescribed to dream bigger. But dreaming big, there's a problem with it if we don't believe. It's already done. So what I want to prescribe to everybody listening, when you think about your dreams, believe bigger. Believe in magic. Believe bigger. And you're going to attract everything you want. I love it. And people can follow you at Charlie. At Charlie Boom. on Instagram. On Instagram and then... Charlie Rocket Show. That's it, man. Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, we man. We did it. We did it, man. I appreciate it, dude. Thank, Thank you for you. coming to my home. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Wow, my friends, that was awesome. Uh, for me, actually listening back to it again as just a listener, not being there with him in the room allowed me to gain uh, huge levels of perspective when it comes to Charlie's ability to entertain, his level of focus and determination to achieve what he has envisioned. And to me, that's just super inspiring. And I hope it was for you as well. So if it was, just make sure to go follow Charlie on Instagram at Charlie. He's also on YouTube and on Twitter. You can actually go to his YouTube channel and watch the video, which uh, is the video that I pulled the soundbite that I had in the beginning of the podcast here, which is super inspiring, which actually was the video that got him into the dream crazy Nike commercial. So go to his YouTube channel, check that out, go follow him on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this episode, let him know, go to his Instagram profile and on any picture, comment or DM him and let him know what you thought. In addition to that, what you can do is you can take a screenshot of you uh, listening to it on your phone and share it on stories and make sure to tag myself at Carl Powley at the Freestyle Way and at 
Charlie. Or take a selfie of you walking your dog at the gym or doing whatever it is that you do while listening to podcasts, and I will be able to find you and I will happily reshare it to let people know uh, what's happening in this uh, Freestyle Way podcast world, which is super exciting. It's growing, it's taking off, and it's all thanks to you guys. And it's keeping me super fired up to continue to put out these episodes and to find new ways of sharing information in a way that is useful and can actually serve you in a way that uh, you can apply in your daily life. So thank you so much for listening. I can't wait for next week. Make sure to go do all those things that I just told you. In addition to rate, subscribe, review on iTunes, it helps a ton. So go and do that. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week. I won't see you, but you'll you'll hear me and hopefully I'll hear from you through social media. All right. Peace.